Hey, how's everyone doing today? Uh, this is your host, excuse me, co-host, Dervin with Synonyms of Sound. And this is your second co-host, Tony. And I'd like to introduce Nancy Madoff. How's it going? Awesome. How are you guys? We're doing great. We're doing great. Um, very well, very well. Just want to let the, the audience know I just recently picked up her book. Um, hadn't fully started yet, but all the reviews online have been amazing. And very excited to get into the details about this book because I feel it can help everyone. Um, that's in corporate America. But before getting into the book and, you know, your transition from working in a sales role to what you're doing today, um, we'd love to know a little bit about your experience working at Marriott for 25 years and how has that helped you where you are today? I loved working. Well, first of all, let me start by thanking you both for having me on the show. I love anything and everything that talks about Focusing and blocking out noise, stepping into your strengths, owning who you are, because I believe that the minute you do that, you become authentic and you will never look back. So I love it. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Um, but back to Marriott. Um, so I worked for Marriott for 25.2 years. Absolutely loved it. I had an amazing career, literally traveled the world. I, 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 I have nothing but great things to say about the company. They taught me how to sell. They taught me how to be a great leader. They taught me how to um, have a family across borders. Mm. And uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. It was fantastic. Amazing. What was one interesting place that you went traveling for work? Um, my two favorite and most interesting, I don't have one, unfortunately, are okay. um, Thailand and Dubai. Those were by far, Ooh. maybe Hong Kong too. Those are, good favorite. Those are good. Those I, are on my list. Yeah, they're so cool. I've actually, I actually love Thailand so much. I went back on my honeymoon oh. a few times. Yep. Went back on my honeymoon yes. and, um, been to Dubai a couple times. It's, it's pretty crazy. It's a crazy, awesome. crazy wild spot. I love it. Love it. So I'd I imagine you probably... Go on there. I, I was I was gonna ask. I'd imagine you probably have uh, some sort of uh, lifetime benefit through Marriott now that makes traveling a little easier. So Marriott, it's a great question. They are very good to their employees. Uh, you do have a benefit after 25 years that you can stay at discounted rates if the hotels are available. To be truthful, I have not done that since the pandemic. I I know. <laughs> how um, just how the industry was demolished. Uh, I probably won't be using it for a little while, but I hope to someday use those rates again. I've, I've, I've had some good times using those rates. Awesome, sure. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I was saying earlier that I went to Hong Kong twice and it's an amazing city, um, beautiful architecture. Uh, people are very friendly. So I had a great time out there. Um, Loved it. All right, so <clears throat> I don't know where I want to start. I feel like I've heard some interesting like statistics you've shared about salary gaps and you know amount of money women leave on the table and I I think that might be a good way to start things off and then diving into your book if you don't mind or would you prefer to give us a, a quick overarching view of what the book is all about first? Um, I can give you a thirty second view of what the book is about. So this, and then it's your show. We should do whatever you want. The book is about. Um, how to speak up, stand out, and step up. And I like to say the book is designed for, but not exclusive for women. A lot of men have read the book. A lot of my, I do some coaching, plenty of men. So it's really about how to um, overcome your fear of speaking up over and overcome conversation gender bias, 
overcome imposter syndrome, and we can talk about that in a minute because you might be surprised with my view in that. And um, really speak up and then step up. And the step up part is where women and men need to continue to amplify women because they simply do not speak up as much as their male colleagues do. Mm. Okay. Really looking forward to this conversation. So I, I don't know if Tony shared our backgrounds, but we have recruiting backgrounds in big tech. Um, I'm very passionate about underrepresented groups and, and things of those sorts. And I guess that one of my biggest takeaways that I'm hoping to get from this conversation is uh, just, a, I guess, various different ways where I, with some of the folks I engage with in the tech space, how I can encourage them to, to speak up um, and, and, let them yeah, know right. that I'm, I'm here to advocate for them, especially when it comes to compensation and things of those sorts, because these companies are willing to pay. Um, and uh, it's uh, seeing the data, it's 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 mind blowing that um, there, there's, you know, some underrepresented folks who who aren't speaking up when they should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. And, and I would say we'll get into it, but I would say just what you said to me. Tell them I'm here for you. I'm I'm here to help advocate for you. You know, when you talk about salary, it's interesting because I do a lot of public speaking. And every now and then a company will come to me and say, we really want you to tell people to speak up, but we kind of don't want you to hone in too much on salary negotiations, right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I won't. But understand that everything in this book, people are going to gain the confidence, gain the clarity, uh-huh. and be able to articulate their value. And I'm not saying that people or women should automatically get right-sized in terms of their salaries, because a lot of times they are not asking for it. And that, to me, is what we don't talk about enough. So there's this, there's this you know, male patriarchy, and, and that does exist. I'm not saying it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But it's the women who are holding themselves back more often than than an actual glass ceiling. And there's tons of data to support that. Wow, that's a very interesting perspective. And um, I want to make sure that we touch on that for sure. But something you talked about, imposter syndrome, and I think Durbin and I, or at least I'll speak for myself, I've felt imposter syndrome working at Facebook, um, you know, where I didn't think I had the skills to be there. I felt I was like, not level appropriately. So let me hear your perspective on imposter syndrome. Because I know you mentioned that you have your own take on what that is all about. So thank you. And I love that you said I have imposter syndrome because I think if you were to go out there and ask 10 women, if they think imposter syndrome only happens to women, I would bet you nine out of 10 say, yes, it only happens to women. And that is simply not true. And I remember I was in New York City meeting with a friend of mine who's a big executive with a big hotel company And I was explaining to him what I do, and he just got this look on his face. And I said, you know, women just, they feel like they don't deserve the seat at the table. They feel like people are going to find out they're a fraud. They feel like that, you know, any minute the the house of cards is going to fall down and they're going to be revealed. And he just looked at me and he said, you think men don't feel that way? Everybody feels that way. And I was blown away my whole life. I had thought it was only a female thing. So my view is, A, it happens to men and women. B, the difference here is that the men will feel it and act anyway. The women will feel it and it will hold them back. So I'm going to put a pin in that for a second. No, I'm going to let that sit for a second because I do have some ways to overcome it. Um, And, you know, even so, I'm... I get nervous before a speaking gig. Every one of them I get a little nervous, but I've trained myself 
trained myself over the past several years to take that nervous energy and turn it into excited energy. Mm. And that's the difference. I actually, I, my granddaughter, I have a four-year-old granddaughter. I know I don't look like I do, but I do. And Not she at all. Has her, she has her first dance recital. And she said, I'm, I'm really nervous. I'm, you know, she's four years old. She said, I'm, I'm, I'm really nervous. And I said, okay, honey, well, what you're feeling is nervous energy. So what about if we were to work on maybe instead of being nervous, trying to just be a little more excited, just maybe try to be a little more excited. And then I saw her a couple of weeks later and I said, how are you feeling about the recital? And she said, you know, I'm a little nervous, but I'm also excited. I'm like, okay, that's a win. Yes. So as we get closer and closer, you know, what, what, what I'm teaching her is what I teach my clients. You can, you can pause for a minute and turn that nervousness into excitement. And that makes all the difference in how you show up. Awesome. I think that's amazing. I, I like that approach. And um, I know you mentioned something about women holding themselves back. And I remember hearing statistics or something that I've heard somewhere where a man would apply to a job if they are 50% hitting all the requirements a woman needs to apply when it's either 90 or 80%. Um, is that what you're talking about holding them back? And can you give us the psychological like crippling effect that women feel when it comes to like putting themselves out there? Sure. Um, that, that number is close. And depending on which study you look at, it's going to be a different number. So basically the message there is that women will not apply for the job unless they are 100% qualified. Whereas the man will take their bigger risk. That's proven up and down everywhere you go. And I actually have a, a, a story, if I can share it. It's from the book. It's a, it's a real life story. Yeah, please I do. Friend, I have a friend, he, he's an entrepreneur and he was building his company. And it's a, it's a blood cleaning company, not very sexy, but very important. And for whatever reason, he felt that a female would be better in the role of CEO. Uh, and actually I know why, because he, the females have a, he believed females have a more collaborative mindset and approach. And he felt that in some of the underdeveloped companies, uh, countries, excuse me, a female would have a better shot at building relationships and collaborating. And a, a female CEO would be better received in some of the underdeveloped countries who need this clean blood. So he said, I want a woman. He came over for dinner. He said, I'm looking for a woman. I said, a woman. And I said, wow, that's awesome. Like, how's it going? He said, I can't get one. Everyone that I call, he would pick up the phone and call these women and say, I'd like you to apply for the CEO job. Every single one of them said, me, CEO? I, I, I could never be. I said, what do you mean? I'm not qualified to be a CEO. The owner of the company called them and said, I want you as my CEO. And their initial reaction was, I'm not qualified. Are you sure I can do it? And wow. not one of them went for the job. Not one of them went for the job. That's interesting. It's, right? So then if you, and that was a few years ago. So if you, if you, if you take it a little more recent, Corn Ferry just did a study of 60 female CEOs. And, and, and I, I don't want to misquote the number. I'll look it up in a second. But I think over half of them or 60% of them maybe um, didn't have a CEO on their radar. Not even on their radar. And you, and you know how it got on their radar? Wow. The men. Somebody, a male colleague said, you need to, to put that on your radar. You need to get in the PL position, which is going to get you closer to CEO. They, it wasn't, they weren't even thinking about it. That's recent. That was last year. Allyship. That's important. We all need allies. What, 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 what is causing this? 
Right. I love Derek. He's like, yeah, okay, allies, yes, but let's go back to the root of the issue, which is, you know, it's, it's, if you look at it, it is how women are socialized. It's how they're rewarded younger. It's getting better. I mean, it's getting much, much better. You look at sports now versus sports 40 years ago, it's significantly different, much different. Um, and again, like I said, the women lack the confidence and they let it hold them back. Whereas the men lack the confidence, but they do it anyway, because all their lives, it's been be tough, go for it, you know, rise to the challenge, do it anyway. I mean, it, that's, it's simply how the two genders in the past have been socialized. That's an interesting point that you talk about sports, because I've recently realized if you watch Sports Center or any sports like TV cast, there's now a woman there. Before it used to be all men, but now there's a lot more women, at least one woman and like maybe four or five guys. I think that the, the, the ratio is still way off, but now at least there's a woman in that, involved in that conversation because before it was always a panel of men. Um, so I do agree with you in sports, it is being a little bit more um, diversified. Um, and I'm excited to wait till a female head coach gets to the NFL, the NBA. I think that's going to be a really big turning point. But I do think that as a, a, as a man, what is a good way for us to be an ally? I, I feel like the word ally has been tossed out a lot because of a lot of things that's happened over the last five to 10 years. But how do you set yourself up to be truly an ally to support your female counterparts? I love that question, and I'm so glad you asked it. The first thing I would say, and I'll tell you why after I say it, the first thing I would say is do not hold yourself back because you don't want to compete with a woman. That is not what I am saying. I was on a call, um, a, a, a virtual session, six months ago maybe, and this was a session where there were a few men in the audience, and one of them said, I'm going for a job, and so is my female colleague. What should I do? We're going for the same job. Well, Oh, you should go for the job and give the job your best shot. And I hope you get it. And that's awesome. I am not, I, I, I can only speak for myself. I am not saying take a step back. What men, what men can do is when they do have the floor or they are invited to a meeting or they do see a female being spoken over in a meeting because it happens to women more than men that you pause and amplify. So, so amplify is the word that I like to use. So it could be, we like that yeah. word too. Yeah, I love it. So yeah. let's say Derv is in a meeting and um, I'm in the same meeting and, and, and a male that's attending the meeting talks over me or anybody talks over me. Then an ally, either Derv or Tony, would say, um, hang on just a second, Mike, Nancy was talking and I want to let her finish her thought. I mean, it's that easy. Mm. Or, you know, hey, Nancy, I know you had some thoughts on that last week, uh, and we didn't quite get to them. I know you brought it up last week, but we didn't really continue that conversation. I want to go back to that. Or, you know, oh, I, you know, I think, um, you know, Nancy, I think Nancy had that idea a couple weeks ago. Was that what you meant, Nancy? Because now Mike's saying it, and now everybody's listening. But when mm. Nancy said it two weeks ago, yeah, no yeah. listening. Mm -hmm. I'm now so thinking about how many times I've probably never done this. And <laughs> yeah, true. It's and you know, listen, women don't either. I have a friend who was just promoted, and she was telling me about she went from a mostly female team to a mostly male team. She was telling me about how, how oftentimes the men will talk over the women, and I said, "Well, what are you doing about it?" 
she's like, well, what do you mean? What am I doing? But I said, well, you're the boss. What are you doing about it? What are you doing? Are you pulling the female aside after the meeting and saying, you know, hey, Megan, I know you had a lot to contribute at that meeting. Why didn't you speak up? How can I make sure you speak up more? Or pulling Mike, I poor Mike, I keep calling the offender Mike, you know, pulling Mike aside and saying, Mike, you might not realize you're doing this, but you but you really talk over women a lot. Yeah. I do that with my husband a lot. I did it with him last night. I did. I said, you, you're not letting her talk, honey. You're, you're not letting her speak. It's interesting. It's interesting. That's interesting. Is there any uh, advice you could give to... Uh... I was going to say someone, but me, I mean, I, I have a younger sister. Uh, she's the youngest. Um, all, the rest of us are all boys. It's five of us in total. Um, she's in school now and going to start her, her career, her career soon. And I guess, uh, I, I feel like we've, we've, uh, done a good job and, and, but, but how do, how do I, I'm sorry. I'm trying to just think of the, the question and, and how, like, like, how do, how do I, had tell her to, you know, just, you know, stay confident and, uh, and, and, and aside from saying stay confident, it, it sounds easier said than done. I feel, I guess, how do I, uh, how do I be encouraging and, and consistent and, uh, appropriate as well? You, you know, I feel like, um, uh, sometimes, uh, if allyship is done the wrong way, it, it's easy to come across disingenuine. Um, and, and that's a concern that's a of mine. That's a good point. Don't overthink it. And I, I can tell by the look on your face, this is really important to you. And I think you might be overthinking it. I would say, what's her name? Your sister? Darnella. First, I would tell Darnella to buy my book. And then I would say, mm -hmm. I would ask her, I'd say, you know, Darnella, what, like, are you, how's it going for you? Are you, do you find that the men are talking over you in meetings or, you know, are you nervous about presenting your ideas? I would just ask her, how's it going? She might not have any issues. She might be fine. She might be like, no, I'm good. All set. Thank you, though. But she might say, you know, I was in a meeting last week, or this one guy keeps doing this, or I'm afraid nobody wants to hear what I have to say, or you know, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to bring up my ideas with confidence. She, you don't. There is no one fell swoop. It's how does she feel about it, and where does she need help? And then you're a natural. You'll you'll be able to help her. You'll be able to help her. But I would ask. Starts with the question. Right, right. So, in regards to pay, I feel that there's always been this conversation of the different pay gaps between men and women. Um, I recently heard somewhere that a man, if given a salary, would normally try to negotiate. A woman would more likely not negotiate and just take the first offer. Um, could you talk a little bit more about that, the statistics around that and why is that even a thing? Like maybe because I'm a recruiter, I just know, like you always ask for more money and figure it out. Um, so I don't think that was, would be something I'd ever not do, but just would love to learn more about that. Okay. So I'm writing down that you as a recruiter said to always ask for more money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course many people don't and when i coach people on this i say well do you think they're going to pull the job offer back if you ask for more money you know i would say ask for more money 
tell them why you're worth it, show them why you're worth more money. Um, so yeah, the current wage gap, I think the last number was 82 cents on the dollar. It might be 86 cents on the dollar. That number changes based on you know how uh, the most recent survey. And it is because women will accept less than men. And in many cases, they're not even they're not even asking for more. One of the studies that I used in my book is from 20, I think it's from 2010, actually, it's pretty old. Um, that, and the number then was that men will, men will earn 20% more than their female colleagues when they graduate from graduate school. So they will off the bat get more money because they ask for it, because they ask for it. And I'm gonna give you another story because I, I think people remember stories. I love stories. Blew my mind. I was sitting in the New York Marriott Marquis. I was not working for Marriott at the time. I was at the um, NYU Investors Conference. So this is a big conference where all of the hotel investors come in. It's massive. It's held every year. It's, I mean, I don't want to speak for them. It's probably 98% male. I mean, you look around, it's, it's investors. And there's a random female here or there. So I was sitting talking to, with, a, with a woman I had just met. She's, she was the managing director of a commercial real estate firm okay, that specializes in hotel real estate. She asked me what I did and I told her, this was before I had written my book. And she said, oh, you know, it'd be great for you to talk with my daughter. She's graduating and I want her to learn how to advocate for herself. And I said, sure, I'd be happy to talk to her. And, whatever. and then about 10 minutes later, we're sitting there and this woman, her face, stricken stricken mm -hmm. and i said what, what like are you okay what's wrong she said oh my god i just realized she had gone from one firm to another firm big big firms you would know them if i mentioned them she said and i didn't negotiate my salary she said i negotiate million and billion dollar deals for a living and mm -hmm. i did not ask for more money and it was yeah. a total mic drop moment. Like it didn't even occur to her. And and she's she's a, the managing director of a major commercial real estate firm. When it comes when it comes to ourselves, when it comes to ourselves, more often than not, women will back away from advocating. Now, here's what's interesting: when it comes to others, women will advocate or negotiate for others, and that's a tactic that I use to train women to negotiate their salaries is think about what it's going to mean for your family. Think about what it's going to mean for your kids. If you can get 10% mm. more, think about what it's, that's going to be compounded over the years, what that's going to mean. Think about what it'll mean for your team. If you can get this extra person on your team, if you're trying to marshal some resources, think about others and how, how, what you're asking for will impact others. And that helps quite a bit. That definitely is a tactic that helps. So I've actually got a Bloomberg article up here. Um, the article is from last year, um, but the, the title uh, was staggering. Um, so it says men got higher pay, and this is specific to big tech jobs. Uh, men okay. got higher pay than women 59% of the time for the same tech jobs. Uh, female candidates for tech jobs received wages 3% lower than their male counterparts. This is from a, a hired survey. Um, and they, they have more data based on the market. Like uh, in London, men have 10% higher pay compared to 5% in San Francisco Bay Area and 7% in New York. Um, but just that 59% number is, is so big. And, and the year before that, it was 65%. Um, 
Um, so it has decreased a bit, mm-hmm. but not drastically. Um, so it's like, uh, where where did we go wrong here that this this gap has been able to grow so substantially? Because th- these numbers are insane, and, and being in recruiting, I didn't I didn't realize it was this bad. Yeah. So um, is this new hires? Is this new hires or or a general number? Durbin, is it new hires or general number? Sorry, uh, I think you might froze have for a, a second. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a general number. Okay. So there's a couple of things. What, what's there's two numbers that we look at. One is new hires, and that's about women advocating for themselves and asking for more money. The other is an average. When you look at an average, what you have to look at is many times women will take themselves out of the workforce to, to traditionally to stay at home and, and take care of and raise the family. So that's going to impact the wage gap no matter what. You've taken a step out. It's a strategic decision. That's fine. And that's that's more often than not the norm. For the women, and I, 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 I hate to laugh, but I see it so much. For the women advocating for themselves, I, I teach at a, at a university. I used to teach at Boston University. Every single one of my female students would be like, what, what do you mean? What do you mean I should ask for more money? You, you should ask for more money. And whereas my male students were like, oh, yeah, I'm asking for more money. And the women were like, what do you mean I should ask? They're afraid they're going to get rejected. They're afraid the job's going to get pulled back. They're afraid. It, it, it's, it's aversion to risk. And it's, it's insignificant. It's significant, as you stated. Do, do you think there should be, um, uh, I guess, more emphasis in uh, like uh, college and graduate school curriculum? Um, just kind of, I guess, uh, for folks coming out of school, trying to get their career start, making sure they're aware of what these statistics look like. It may have changed since I've been in school, but I feel there 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 isn't a, enough discussion around this at the collegiate level, which, which might be helpful. And though I'm not saying all women... Uh, or folks professionally, they all have a you know collegiate background, but uh, you know I I still think it it might be helpful if there was more uh, more of a discussion at that level there. I mean, I think that would be great. I think I think college students need life skills training: how to change a tire, how to negotiate your salary, how to fill out an insurance form. I mean, a lot of these these college graduates that they graduate and they're like, well, now what? I, you know how to navigate a new city. So I, I, I do think that would be of incredible value. But, and, and I want to go back to, to that statistic, Dirk, because I saw this a couple of times during and at the end of Women's um, International Women's Day. And, and I, I didn't know how I felt about it, but, but a part of me just kind of sat back and gave myself like a little smirk. There were quite a few very well-known women out there who said, I love all these companies that are advocating advocating for International Women's Day. Let's see your gender wage gap. Mm. <laughs> stop posting. Stop posting on Twitter. Mm. The same as you're paying your men. So that would be really interesting. Really interesting. So you can put a post up there, and you know, and and a lot of companies walk the talk and stand behind their their women's diversity and inclusion initiatives many of them and they're great business partners some of them whitewash it or you know put it out there and you're like okay well your women are making 30 40 percent less than the men 
So really, how are you celebrating women? So once a year, or are you doing it all year round? That's a good point because I was looking at this article. It said that women make up about 47% of the workforce, but only 27% are in leader leadership positions or management positions. So it is yeah. pretty interesting. And I think those numbers are even fewer when it comes to big tech. Um, so it just really comes interesting. And then there's one other note, and then I'll let you answer whichever order you want. Uh, I know you meant you talked about compound um, over time. So I heard a statistics that said that Caucasian women make leave X amount of dollars in the table over their careers. Um, black women live like X amount. I think you may know the numbers. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Yep. So that's compounding. So for a Caucasian female, it's 400,000-ish. For a woman of color, I think it's like 750, 650. And, and this is in the book. And for a Latina woman, it, it's in the um, seven to eight, maybe even 900s. So take the wage gap, 80, 84 cents on the dollar, whatever that is. It doesn't sound that bad. I mean, it's bad, of course, but all right, eighty cents. Okay, times that over a forty-year career, compounding. I mean, it's it's absurd. It's, it's a lot absurd. on the table. So, and I'm, so I have another story. I was leading a sales team when I worked for Marriott, actually, and there was there was a program in place where if if you if you met certain thresholds, you would automatically be um, submitted for a promotion. And this one woman on my team, she made her numbers every year. She never would follow up. She never would go for the promotion. She lacked the confidence. And she would say to me, well, it's only a 2% raise or whatever the number was. This story's in the book as well. And I sat down with her one day and I said, you and I are sitting down and we're taking a calculator out because for five years you have blown off this 2% raise. Now take that 2% and add it to last year's salary and now add another 2% on that and add it to that year salary. So the compounded 2%, she was leaving, I think, five, six, seven thousand $7,000 on the table. So it's not 2%. It's not. That's a moment in time. You have to look at your whole salary and then how that compounds over the years. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy stuff. It's not good. So what are your thoughts about the discrepancy regards to, like, women in leadership when they make up a large portion of the workforce? You know, it's interesting to me because a lot of that can be, you know, can be rationalized away by women are stepping out. I don't know if you, either of you guys remember Sheryl Sandberg and her book, Lean In. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a huge, huge book. Um, and what she said was lean out whenever you want, step out whenever you want, but don't count yourself out before you're ready to do that. You gotta lean in before you step out. So there are some people that might um, rationalize that away as it's women strategically taking a step back. You know, what I've seen, I've I've even seen it with CEOs. I coach female CEOs and I am blown away by their um, being paralyzed by their lack of confidence. And they just, they, they are paralyzed by it and it, it absolutely blows my mind and they let it stand in their way. So I would say that that number is probably a combination of strategic decisions made with your family to take a step back with that. They're not going for the jobs. I mean, look at the CEO example. They're they're not going for the jobs. 
They're not. The same friend, remember I told you about my friend who I, I asked her what she was doing in the meetings to amplify. Mm -hmm. So she was going for promotion, totally underconfident that she was qualified. So we worked on it together. And then a very, very senior level person in the company called her and said, I think you should go for the job that's the next job up. Forget this job, go for the next job up, two levels higher. She, and she was like, no, no, I, I can't. He said, well, you can and you are because I set up the interview and you're meeting with so-and-so on this date. She never would have gone for it. She never would have gone for it because she was programmed to think, logical next step, follow the rules, what's next for me, don't take too much risk, I'm lucky I'm here, whereas one of her male colleagues, you know, they just have the bravado. They would have been like, all right, I'll go for it. What do I have to lose? No problem. And they go for it and they get it. Yes, makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. And I can I can definitely see how that can contribute to the lopsided numbers in in tech. Uh, some companies kind of have a a bro culture. So, yeah. oh man, yeah. particularly <laughs> tech. One, one, of, one of the first groups. One of the first groups I spoke to when I when I started speaking on this was tech, and I I follow women in tech very closely. Fine, but it's not. Yes, finance, same thing. That's a bro culture, right? Mm -hmm. Tech, yeah. finance, industrial supply. These are all so, so it's funny because I came from hospitality. Somebody asked me this last night. They said, so most of your clients are probably travel professionals. And I said, no, it's, it's tech, it's finance, it's industrial supply, it's engineering, it's chemical, it's any underrepresented industry, any female underrepresented industry wants and will have me come speak to their groups. Because they, mm -hmm. they want to, they want to help these women step up and step into their strengths, and it's it's the ones that are mostly male dominated, and it's unfortunately most of them, most of them. So I had a quick question, um, and I don't know if you may have the exact answer for it, but I know you mentioned people, women, strategically stepping out to take time for their families. So if life is within the workplace, can sometimes come across crippling to go for that promotion or to ask for that negotiation. How much more crippling is it after they take four years, five years off of work? They lost skills or they, they come across as not very skilled anymore because they don't have that five years of experience anymore because they were at home. How crippling is that motion to get back into the workforce? Or try to apply to where they left off or, or do they automatically have to take a step below before where they were before? I'll just love to know that. It, it depends on how you leave and how you go out and, and what you did when you were out of the workforce. So did you spend five years only focusing on being a mother, which is fantastic. And that's why you left. So you should, mm -hmm. did you cut off all your friends and not, and not, not your friends, but did you cut off all communications with your former company or did you go out of your way to make it a point to stay in touch with some of those people and to, continue to stay on their radar. I'm not saying to show up at the company retreat, but <laughs> you know, you can't pull yourself out of a network and then expect to just dive back in without it being a lot of work. But if you pull yourself out of a network and you, you keep, you know, like an octopus, maybe you keep, keep putting your tentacles out there and you keep checking in with people. I call it forensic networking. Mm -hmm. and, and this is a tool that I work on with my clients, whether they're in the, the, the workforce or not, 
It's who do I know? Are they a coach? Are they a connector? Could they be a client? And really making a concerted strategic forensic effort to seek them out. So you, you can't step out and then just jump back in seamlessly. It takes a lot more work than that. And in fact, LinkedIn, you probably know this, LinkedIn just added a explanation for why, why there's a gap in your resume. So if you did take a step out, why there's a gap in your work experience, you could write, you know, 2005 to 2010, voluntarily left the workforce to start a family, blah, 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 or voluntarily left to care for my aging parents or whatever the case may be. So it's, it's becoming more, um, it's becoming a little bit easier, but no, it's very tough. It's very tough. I mean, you're recruiters. Somebody comes to you that hasn't been in the workforce in five years. How excited are you going to be to hire them? Unless I get it. Right? I get it. I sometimes try to make a conscious effort to at least speak with them and I try my best, but sometimes in the industry I work in, it's like a no, no, because you just know it's not going to work. If you're internal, you could probably make it work. But if you're in the agency, it's like, I don't know, but I get it. I completely understand where you're coming from. And I try to make the conscious effort to help, to help. But what I would say is if, if let's say you, let's say there's a female listening to this and, and there she's going out for, you know, four years, or she thinks she might want to go, go back to work in 2023, right? 2023, I think I might want to get back into the workforce. Start now. Start now. What's happening in the industry? What are the buzzwords? What are, you know, what, what are the trends? Mm -hmm. you, you know, and start now reaching out to people because you don't want to reach out to them in January and say, okay, I'm ready. You want to have reached out to them in June, in July, and at their birthday, whatever the case may be, so that the first time they're hearing from you, it's not for a favor. I agree. Darvin, you're on mute, sorry. Unmute yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just saying that that makes so much sense. And uh, I mean, in, in, in big tech, I feel that the technology trends probably change every two years or so. Um, so to like not stay up to date, not keep networking, um, it, I can definitely see how it could do you a disservice i'm trying to jump back in this at least uh, in the, the tech space for sure yeah it's tough i mean it, it it's tough i i have a lot of friends who left and they have no interest in coming back i have some friends who left and they're terrified to come back so you know it, it's just it, it's just like anything else it's what's your plan and how can you start activating that plan strategically so that you're not paralyzed so could you explain a little bit more about the Forensic Four? I know you mentioned, I can't, a partner, um, you mentioned four different oh, yeah. things. So Did could you like, other? yes, or if maybe it was three, can you just break that down a little bit more so that sure. someone that may not be familiar can understand like what that means and why it's important to have those different parallels? So I call it forensic networking, and this is something that I did uh, many years ago and it worked great for me. So I knew at one point that I was gonna leave Marriott. And, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was not a divorce, it was a graduation. I wanted to do something different. Uh -huh. So, I, as, you, as I mentioned, I was traveling all over the place. So I would literally, I took a spreadsheet and I wrote down everybody I knew. And then in the next column, I wrote down where in the, in the world they were located. Chicago, New York, Boston, you know, I was in a global job, so could have been anywhere. West Coast. And then the next column would be 
um, you know, how important are they to me? Like in terms of my next step, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one, two, three, whatever. So then it was connector. So this is somebody that can connect me. This is somebody that can broker an introduction so mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, at the time I wanted to do some sales consulting. So this is somebody that, that is still heavily in the sales arena and could broker an introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, coach was, was the second one. Are they a coach? That, that might be somebody who's a little older, maybe, maybe not as in it as they used to be, but knows a lot of people and probably wouldn't hire me themselves for whatever reason, but they can coach me. And then client, could they be a potential client? So when I would, let's say I was going on a trip to Chicago, I would open up my spreadsheet sheet. I would sort on Chicago, let's say nine or 10 names came up and I would make it a point to grab a cup of coffee with two or three of those people. Same thing for New York, same thing for, and you can do it. I use this with my clients right now. I, you know, I printed it up and I branded it and it's, you know, it's a lot more slick than my little one that I had. Mm-hmm. But um, I have a, a woman I was coaching who was getting ready to leave her company. And I said, okay, who do a data dump of everyone you know. When you're on the train coming back from New York or whatever, write down in that time everybody you know, and then just start to categorize them. And, and that way you at least have front of mind a plan for when you have 15 minutes and you want to make some calls so you're not saying oh i have i'm stuck in an airport i can start calling people well geez i don't know who to call you you have your list already there ready for you makes sense makes sense and i guess that's the same strategy you can utilize as you plan to exit the workforce and you plan to return who can help me get back to where i am who should i keep in constant, constant contact with as i'm out to make sure I'm aware of what's happening and evolving so that when you start interviewing again, you kind of know who are the players, what's adapted, what's changed. So I think it's a very smart and strategic plan. I love it. I love the idea. And I also want to address the fact that, that this has come up a lot lately. Um, well, I don't like to bother people. I don't like to ask for help. And what I, this comes up all the time. And what I tell people is think about how you feel when somebody asks you for help. You feel great when someone asks you for help. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call you and say, hey, Tony, I need your help. I'm, I'm going to be in New York and I'm, you know, I, I want to meet so-and-so and I see you know them. Wouldn't you be delighted to help me? Of course. Right. And you thought of me. Yeah, because you thought of people me. People want to help. Yeah. So a lot of people, this has happened like maybe three times in the past two weeks. Uh, the women that I work with have said, well, I don't want to bother people. I don't want to be, it's not a bother. People like to help people. So that's another mindset shift. What was that uh, moment for you um, throughout your career where um, I guess you realized that this was such a, a serious uh, problem? And, you know, you I guess what was the moment that that the light bulb hit? Like, I, I, I need to, you know, share my story, you know, uh, do my best, like educating others. Um, what, what was that exact moment? If you you're comfortable sharing it. I'm very comfortable sharing it. It's also in the book. Um, I was sitting in a meeting in Boston and there was probably 14 people at the meeting room table and I was the subject matter expert on the topic and the person leading the meeting was asking me a question and my male colleague, we'll call him Ethan, responded for me. Yeah, we're leaving Mike alone. We'll leave Mike alone. Um, so I'm like, huh. He, a, he wasn't asked the question, and B, it's mm-hmm. not his area, so why is he answering? But okay. And then it happened again. I was asked the question. 
Nancy, what do you think about blah, blah, blah? Ethan pipes in, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I looked around the room and this was, this was many years ago. I looked around the room and I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Am I on mute? And this was an in-person meeting. So yeah. it was kind of funny and very smart, smart alecky. Mm -hmm. And everybody kind of looked at me and, and the guy leading the meeting, he said, you know what? She's right. We, we need to let her speak. And I, I said what I wanted to say, you know, I answered the question. I, we carried on the meeting and I remember thinking like, I'm an extrovert. I'm the youngest of four. I'm in your face. It is the only way you got hurt in my house. If you didn't speak, you didn't get hurt. So I thought about all of the women out there who are timid and, and are introverts and would never in a million years raise their hand and say, excuse me, I'm speaking. Would never in a million years think to do that. And I said, this is it. This is my calling. I, I have to go help these women unmute themselves. I have to. And I, I left a few weeks later, a few weeks later. Wow. Fast forward, the guy running the meeting I know I, his daughter read my book and she said he remembers that meeting. He remembers oh, wow. that meeting and it was a long time ago. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. So I have a question. So I'm assuming that's how the, the name of the book came to be, or you can tell us a little bit about how the name came to life, but in a situation like that, where you, you did step up, I think it could have been taken two different ways that you're being aggressive or you are make, I guess the question is, should you be making a joke to get your point across? Because now I feel like you're not setting the right tone because it's a, a joking way, or is that a, a defense, uh, a defense? I don't know what the word is. Is that a way to deflect? Not aggression Sorry. to the person, but make sure they're aware. I, I don't know the word. I, I, I probably did it completely incorrect, but I'm, I hopefully you get the point. That is an excellent question. If I had it to do over, I would not have done that. I would not have done that because, you know, my natural inclination is to make a joke. And, and I knew everybody in the room, and it was, it was fine. And people remembered it, right? It was memorable. Um, what I would have done in retrospect, and, and that I've done since, is very nicely and calmly and politely said, excuse me, Ethan, I, um, when I'm finished, you can have your chance. Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, remember the vice presidential debates and Kamala Harris, mm -hmm. and excuse me, I'm speaking, right? She was well-trained on that because she knew that Mike Pence was gonna interrupt her. She knew that it was gonna be highly irritating. And I don't know if you watched it like I did, but, and if you didn't watch it on YouTube, he interrupted her three times. And the first time she was polite, the second time she was again polite, but a little more strident. And the third time she said, excuse me, I'm speaking. And if she hadn't taken the high road those first couple times, everybody would have been all over her for being strident or, you know, being too aggressive. And, and the conversation would have been about how she acted, not what she was saying. Mm. So... And I, and I teach this, if you can take a step back and understand it's got nothing to do with you and, you know, be kind, but firm, kind, but firm, yeah. excuse me, I'll get to you in a second, right? Excuse me, I, I heard you, I'll get to you in one second. You know, that's okay, right? So it's, it's, um, it's, 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 it's trying to stay calm when you're not, 
because if you don't and if you're defensive, you, you you'll lose the room. And and we can women cannot afford to lose the room. We cannot. Interesting. And I know I asked you about the title of the book. I'll go there and go go go. I, I was uh, I was gonna say. Um, uh, I I feel sometimes folks can. Uh, and incorrectly at that, um, misinterpret, you know, uh, assertiveness uh, with being like a, a aggressive or defensive. Um, does that? I guess. I guess like how, I guess you you did just go over. I you know how to how to uh, combat that a bit, but um, I just to dig deeper a little. Is is it a? I feel that may be unavoidable sometimes if you're just in a room full of bias or, or ignorant folks, which sometimes is outside of your control. So professionally, when you're trying to advance, I guess, where's the balance of you know, being assertive or just like, mm. you know, straight up, like you guys are going crazy in here <laughs> and, you know, being a, a, a bit more, uh, I guess, uh, straightforward. Yeah. Unfortunately, the women are judged much differently than men. And in the book, mm-hmm. when say, and I say this knowing that sometimes this is triggering for some women, is you have to start it with a smile. You have to pause and put a big smile on your face because if you don't, they're going to say you're a bitch. 100%. 100%. So let's go back to Kamala. The first time she did it, and watch it. I'm telling you, watch it. The first time she did it, excuse me, I'm speaking. Very nice. Very polite. Second time, excuse me, I'm speaking. And then the third time, no smile on her face, hand up, excuse me, I'm speaking. And again, had she started with that, that would, it would have been game over. It might've even cost her the, 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 um, the win. It would have been game over. So yes, Derb, women are judged differently, treated differently, perceived differently. And that's why I say they have to go out of their way, myself included. You know, I'll even start a sentence or when I was leading teams, I'm very passionate. I need you guys to understand I'm not mad. I'm just passionate. Because if I didn't, they'd be like, oh, she's, 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 she's all up, you know, whatever. And then, no, I'm just really passionate about it. Or I'll have wicked high energy. I want you guys to understand that I just, I'm a high energy person. Um, I'm not upset. I'm just high energy. You ever heard a man do that? No. No. Good point. No. Good point. Good point. Good point. Did you watch the Supreme Court um, hearings? I did. What were your your thoughts about that interaction and from both parties? I felt um, Ms. Jackson did an extremely great job staying poised throughout the entire thing. what were your thoughts about how she handled that situation? So um, I, this is very interesting. I haven't talked about this. Just you asking me, I am, I am literally getting choked up. I thought she was a pro. I thought she, there was no question that she was qualified. I, 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 I uh, like, I'm so grateful it came out the way it did. She, but you'll you'll see she put like look at Kavanaugh and how he acted. Exactly, that's what I was asking. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, she was poised, she was thoughtful, she was calm, she was respectful, she paused a lot. And I don't know what she was thinking. I can only say if it were me, that pause, and I, I teach that in the book too, would have been, okay, I'm about to lose it right now. Like, this is so unfair. This is such a bullshit. This is so um, uh, inexcusable that you take that pause to just contain yourself. She mm. was beyond reproach. And by the way, she's not Miss Jackson anymore. She's Justice Jackson. Sorry, Justice um, Jackson. Yes. And, no, no, no. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm totally kidding. I'm kidding. Um, Supreme Court Justice Jackson, I mean. And I thought it was fantastic. I, I thought it was absolutely, she was a role model for everyone, male or female, fire under pressure, but pressure under fire. I would be interested to know how long she practiced and how, how long she, how many run-throughs she did and how, how long she trained and how many role plays, you know, I, I don't know, but you know, the, the, the parallel politics aside, between her and Kavanaugh is staggering, staggering. Mm -hmm. And this happens all the time in the corporate world, all the time. Definitely. So uh, you, you've given a lot, a lot of gems on the, on the, on the call so far. Um, when you're, when you're focused on just your goals and the task at hand and, uh, you know, dealing sometimes, you know, maybe you deal with uh, scrutiny or, or any type of like obstacles um, that, that get thrown your way um, or distractions. Um, how do you stay focused and like, you know, block out the noise, uh, stay locked in and, and level headed? I love that question. So I uh, probably a couple of years ago put together what I call my thrive checklist. It is legit a checklist. This is everything that I know I need to do to be at my best. So it's bed early, um, you know, meditate, you know, whatever, 10, 15 minutes a day, get some physical exercise, drink water, whatever. And when I, when I feel myself slipping away from myself, that is what I will do. I will say, I, I literally pull it out, have some turmeric tea, do this, like read a book, the things that I love to do. Because I just had this conversation with somebody. The hamster wheel is back. It is back. We are back. Everybody's back. Mm -hmm. And if you don't take care of yourself, you, you, you only have yourself to blame. So you, you need to look at what is it that I can do that brings me back to me and then go do it. Awesome. I like that. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to be running a CEO series next. It's one that we're going to be launching. And I know you mentioned that you've coached professionally CEOs. So could you tell us a little bit about what that's about? What do you try to focus on? What is a consistent trend you've seen with the different CEOs you spoke to that you're surprised happens for each one? I'm surprised at their um, lack of confidence in themselves. This is the female CEOs. And I'm not saying all female CEOs lack confidence. I'm not saying that at all. There are many powerhouses. I'm I'm shocked at um, their their lack of confidence and their lack of belief that I mean that many of many of they either lead or have built a massive company, and they still listen to the demons in their head, and they still need help um, seeing through those. 
And it's okay. I mean, that's okay. That's why people hire coaches. But I mean, these are people I respect and admire. And I'm like, wow, I, it just blows my mind. If you want to, if you want to give me somebody who's 25 years old and just starting out and lacking confidence and, you know, not sure that she has what it takes, that's, that's to be expected. But somebody who leads a multi-million dollar company has a massive team, uh, you know, underneath them or working with them, defines the culture for the company, is hitting it on all cylinders and still needs help. They still need help navigating the, the speaking up and standing up and advocating for themselves. They still, everybody needs it. Awesome. And what is one tidbit in regards to like about your book that you would like our, our listeners or readers to like know about your book before we go or wrap up? Um, what I would say about the book is it's like a hour long, maybe 90 minute read. It is super short. It's filled with fun stories. Um, it's, it's like, just buy it. You'll love it. <laughs> That's what I would say. That's it guys. Just buy it. You'll love it. <laughs> Anything else from you, Dervin? Uh, nothing else. I, I did uh, just order mine, though. I just ordered my, awesome. my book. So. Awesome. 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 I wish I could sign it. Yeah. But this was definitely a pleasure. We enjoyed the opportunity to chat with you. I think there was a lot of hidden gems. And I think by reading the book, I do believe any male or female can definitely speak up, stand up for themselves. For men, I think you'll learn how to be a better ally. Because I know we all try to be allies, but we don't know because... It is difficult to figure that out sometimes, but just being authentic will definitely help. But I think this will definitely guide you there as well. 